entrepreneurs, are you trying to make bigger profits in your small business? Like many of us, I'm sure you're feeling it. Business is hard. And now more than ever, you need to have a plan to help your business not just survive, but thrive. And it can happen as simply with thinking with the end in mind. I'm Marcia Reiner. I'm a business growth strategist. I've helped tons of small business owners to establish and implement a tangible plan that guarantees increased profitability, guides your growth, and plans for your future exit. Because a business worth selling is also a business worth owning. And I want to share strategies that I've earned and learned with you on today's Profit with a Plan podcast. But before we get started, I have something to share with you. I've put together an insightful and think outside the box masterclass. This brief training has been specifically designed to help you learn how to grow your business five times or even 10 times the revenue and the value so that your firm is in a great position to sell it someday on your terms. Register for free at www.10xyourfirm.com. All right. Well, I'm really excited to have my guest back again. Barry Rutten is an admitted industry contrarian who is wide or, or who is wary and often critical of conventional wisdom, financial wisdom. He's the co-founder and managing partner of Wealth Defense Financial Advisors, which focuses on a unique needs and goals for business owners, high-income professionals, upwardly mobile families, uh, real estate investors, and those entering or already in retirement. With over 35 years of experience as a certified financial planner, a fellow planner, uh, Barry has mm. developed and refined his proprietary process for creating collaborative and cooperative financial and retirement planning engagements with his clients. Barry has owned and operated several financial planning and investment advisory firms and served as the director of financial services and director of charitable trust planning for major banks located in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, outside work, Barry loves boating, and he can often be found on the waters of Lake Washington, Puget Sound, and Salish Sea. Uh, he resides in Kirkland, Washington with his wife, Colleen, and enjoys hiking, weightlifting, traveling, and chasing those new first experiences he is always striving to catch, the perfect sunset picture. Wow, Barry, I'm so excited to have you back. We had such a fantastic conversation about risk planning a few months back. And uh, our initial conversation just kind of whirlwind into risk planning when we wanted to really truly talk about the retirement planning concepts and how business owners can really elevate multiple lanes of retirement planning, including their business. So welcome back to the show, Barry. I'm, I'm really glad to be back with you, Marcia. Yeah, we really did go down a, a kind of a deep well, which um, I think is okay. Uh, but I'm glad to be back to talk about this topic because we've both discussed how how much information we could share with your with your listeners. So uh, let's just dive right in and, and make it happen. Love it, love it. Okay, so um, most business owners know the traditional like if they were in the corporate world, um, they would have a 401k and they would have an IRA. You know the boring traditional stuff where you can invest in mutual funds and stocks and bonds. Um, but, you know, knowing that the market's at an all-time high, doing some corrections, it's just always a crazy um, lackluster return on your investments. I know that there are some other tools that business owners can use. Can you help us with some of those ideas? Sure. I'd like to just back up to two things. One, you in part of your introduction of me, um, 
uh, I, we talked about being a contrarian. So I, this 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 discussion comes with a little bit of a warning label uh, that this is going to be different than the traditional advice you've probably seen, read, heard about, or encouraged to do. So uh, so for my contrarian friends out there, uh, great. For those who maybe not as contrarian, just kind of keep an open mind. Um, okay. I think we should first of all define our terms a little bit when it comes okay. to this word retirement. Ooh, because good. I think especially for a business owner, I think it's different. Um, you know, you know, in, in your work, you are helping people grow their businesses, produce more revenue. It's it's the largest asset usually for most of the people you're talking to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, retirement, just the word retirement, first of all, didn't exist prior to a certain point in time in at least in the United States. Uh, retirement actually came over from Europe, that concept. And what traditionally we know as retirement was sort of born in the post uh, Great uh, Great Depression era, the 1930s, and and when Social Security came out, it's kind of like a safety net, and the actuaries at Social Security had to come up with an age at which you might be eligible for benefits. So they picked 65, and like right out of the bat, everybody just decided, oh, that's when I should stop working. Um, the problem is back then, life expectancy was like three more years. And so, so they never expected to have to pay out for very long. It's like, hey, here's three checks and you're done. Uh, now, with everybody eating kale and, and doing CrossFit, people are living, you know, to their 90s. So you could be looking at 30 plus years of having to make your money last and, and, and you know, keep pace with inflation. And so, so I think for business owners, I think the question becomes, you know, we, we still start out, if you think about it like a matrix, we start out as an employee somewhere. And then one day we say, I've had enough of that. I'm going to go into business for myself. So you're self-employed, but you're everything, right? You do everything. Mm -hmm. It's only when we take on employees that we're really a business owner that we can delegate and expand and grow. And then ultimately, I think we want to move to that entrepreneurial uh, phase where we're working more, more on the business and maybe working on multiple businesses, either vertically or horizontally integrated into what you're doing or something completely different because it's interest, interesting to you. But the idea of retiring of, I'm just going to stop doing anything. And go find and, a rocking chair, right? Yeah. And rocking chair, shuffleboard, golf. You know, how much yeah. golf can you really play? Uh, I so don't I know. A lot, right? <laughs> so I think the idea is, how can I accumulate enough assets or value in my business such that either I, I have a planned exit where I have a big chunk of money and I can certainly generate income from that big chunk of money, or maybe I'm getting an earnout like somebody else is running the business, like maybe my one of my children uh, or a valued uh, key employee or a competitor that takes over the business but continues to pay me over time. So I think this sort of arbitrary guillotine on the calendar of <laughs> I'm done uh, it's probably a little bit of an artificial thing. And so it brings us back to what should a business owner be doing to have the opportunity to choose when they work, when they stop, when they reduce how much they work. For a lot of people, they just like to work less. Mm. Uh, their brain is still very active. and But you know, maybe at some point you got fed up and you're like, I really want to walk away. How do I walk away with the most money? Uh, you're going to certainly help them with the getting the business multiple up to a really high number. So when they you know, put it on the market, it, it sells for top dollar or they can um, transfer it for top value. But one of the things that I really am concerned with, and I see this so often, is that if you remember that progression, employee, self-employed, business owner, entrepreneur, a lot of our, because I think we work with a similar kind of people, a lot of our right. clients 
are still treating their retirement as if they're a W-2 employee. Uh-huh. And, and that's a really big problem for a couple of reasons. One, the IRS decided you could set aside X amount a year into, say, a 401k or a SEP or a simple IRA or something. They, they picked a number. Okay, And it's kind of nominal, isn't it? Well, it's it, pretty it, low. First of all, it, it, it's somewhat arbitrary. Right. And what does that have to do with you? Right. So if you if you own a business and you take home five hundred thousand dollars a year and the IRS says you can set aside twenty thousand dollars a year in a 401k, if you do the math, you're not not going to accumulate enough assets over any reasonable working time to turn around and generate the cash flow equivalent of what you're making now inflation adjusted. Right. Because that five hundred thousand has to get bigger to match your lifestyle. So using the tools that you give your employees, because if you're a sharp business owner, like I'm sure the people who listen to business growth strategies are, um, they are probably offering some kind of retirement plan to their employees as an attraction and retention tool, which they should. <laughs> but should the business owner be using the tools, uh, the, the retirement asset accumulation tools of the employee as the business owner, I would tend to tell you no. Or, yeah. or at least use them, but keep going, right? Don't stop right. up there. Because they're so limited and there's so little yeah. and, and there's so many rules on these programs that if you are making 500000 and you're paying your employee, let's say 50 or 60 or 80 or 100000 you can still only contribute what pretty much what they're contributing with a little bit of an increase. That's not enough. Right. That's absolutely right. not enough. And, you know, for example, you know, the, the, the government tries to make it sort of fair and equitable. So it says, hey, if you want a profit sharing plan added to your 401k, sure, we'll let you do it. And we'll let you put $54,000 a year. Rate. But guess what? <laughs> you got to give some of that money to the employees. So a lot of employers don't really want to go beyond, say, what's called like a safe harbor contribution to a 401k, like 3%. 3%. Uh, you know, provide some reasonable matching to the employee's contribution. You know, like what, basically, like what's the least I can do to help them get started, encourage them to put their own money away, but not tie up so much of my cash flow. Mm-hmm. So we 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 want them to, to take a look at uh, in plans that were designed specifically for business owners. And remember, the tax code predominantly is not written for the W two employee. It's written for business owners because business okay. owners especially when they join together in industry associations and groups, lobby Congress to say, uh, could we have some laws that look like this to be able to do this on and on our side? And the problem is the, the rank and file W-2 people are too distributed and they don't lobby. And so they, they kind of get the short end of the stick, which is really unfortunate. Um, but that's so, one of the biggest reasons that you got into business because you're exactly. forming, you're creating an economy in your area, whether you're hiring people or spending money, but you're you're doing that so the government rewards you with tax advantages. Exactly. Going back to your specific original question, um, what what we want to use? There's other ways, right? There's, yeah, there's other, other ways, ways than the traditional uh, W two style of retirement planning, right? Right. And I think we got to look at this from the perspective of what I call the retirement mountain. And I want everybody to think about, say, Mount Everest, right? Almost 30,000 feet, no oxygen at the top. And you think about people who climb that, we call them crazy. 
But the people who climb that mountain, um, they hire, all of them hire professional mountain guides. Now, here's what's really interesting. I literally just two days ago read another story about um, uh, someone who fell off Mount Everest, plunged a thousand feet and actually lived, believe it or not. Oh. Um, but how, you know, when you think about why they hire that guide, the guide doesn't really earn their money on the way up. The mm -hmm. guide earns their money on the way down because everyone's sleep deprived, oxygen deprived, exhausted, hungry, tired, cold. And now they're coming down this mountain in those depleted physical conditions and they're still facing ice falls, 100-foot crevasses, the ability to, with one false move, plunge 2,000 feet into the oblivion and never be found again. So the job of the mountain guide is not to get you to the summit. A lot of people believe it's to get them to the summit. Like a lot of people believe the goal of retirement planning is to get you to this pinnacle of, I'm ready to pull the plug. The goal of, of a mountain guide is to get you home safe and alive in one piece. Mm -hmm. The way I view my job is, yeah, certainly to get you to the summit, but get you down. So there's a retirement asset accumulation phase, but the more important and far more tricky, far more difficult, far more challenging retirement income distribution strategy phase. The spending phase. And, yeah, the spending phase. And you shouldn't use the tools and techniques of accumulation on the distribution side of the mountain. And yet a vast amount of advisors still have people in the wrong tools. And essentially they have the wrong equipment, the wrong ropes, the wrong crampons on their boots, and they're gonna fall and they're gonna get hurt or die. And mm -hmm. we see this all the time. We see it right now if people are in the wrong things and they are suffering needless, significant losses. I unfortunately talked to somebody yesterday who's down 40%, at least on paper, wow. very wow. painful. And so what we want to look at is, again, going back to those traditional plans, what the government entices you with is dangle, 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 tax deferral. Defer. Right? Tax deferral, yep. Right? Like you can set some of your paycheck aside pre-tax and we'll let you build it up tax deferred. And you're like, that's awesome. Current tax break. That satisfies my needs as an American to have immediate gratification. <laughs> and um, and there's my account. Well, I want everybody who owns a 401k, an IRA, a SEP IRA, anything like that, to look at your account balance, whatever it is, whatever or whatever it was <laughs> before the. But but any other, <laughs> pick a time and you look at your balance, and say how much of this do I own? How much really? can you spend? How much can no, you? How spend? much do I own? How much do I okay. own? Okay. So All if right. your account balance is a million dollars, okay. Right. Do I actually own a million dollars? And my answer to that is no, absolutely not. You own the million dollars less the tax. tax hit when you take the money out. So if today your tax bracket is X, I think if we look at the uh, the economics of the government with, with deficits and spending, and they're going to have to raise tax rates. I think a lot of people believe that at least. So you have this unknown obligation when you go to take your money out. That if on you all are, the growth that you've accumulated in risk the along the way. Right. So the government knows that if they dangle this carrot of tax deferral in front of you, you will dutifully put their, mo their money away. Now, here's what they also know, because they have a lot of smart actuaries of the government. They know the population's aging, shrinking, less workers, there's less workers to support Social Security. They're like, where can we get a whole lot of money? Well, how about trillions with a T 
trillions of dollars accumulated in all these tax deferred plans that will be 100% taxable. So if you think about your tax rate and your wages now, maybe it's 24%, maybe it's 32%, whatever it is, 37% on the high end. How about 100% tax rate? How would you like to have a 100% tax rate? Okay. Yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is all the money is subject to tax. The rate is still going to be one of those right. percentages, but 100% of the money is taxable. So taxable I want to go back yeah. to, again, this kind of don't necessarily lean on the plans of your employees or what you learned about in your corporate job. Um, I want you to, and, and I don't know if you uh, are, have ever uh, grown your own corn, Marcia. Have you ever raised no. corn? Okay. No, I've never so raised me, corn. Okay, I've so grown some vegetables that failed, some tomatoes, you know, those kind of things, but never corn. <laughs> right, right. So let me tell you a little bit about corn farming. So a corn farmer will dig a hole and drop two or three kernels in there. Why? To make sure that one of them germinates and becomes corn. And then they'll water it and the sun will hit it and it'll grow a stalk. And on that stalk are multiple ears of corn. And on each ear of those corn, there's about 650 to 700 kernels of corn on each ear. I've spent far too much time, obviously, researching corn. So let's talk about the tax system. And if you had a choice of where to have your money taxed. So let's talk about two scenarios. The farmer could pay a tax on the seed corn, right? So pay a little tax now on the two, on the or, three two or three corn, pieces right? in the hole, right? Or on every stalk, every ear, and the 650 to 700 kernels per ear of corn. So we're going to call one the, uh, the seed and the other the harvest. Mm -hmm. What would be the right place, the best place to pay the tax, seed or harvest? Well, obviously the seed. The seed. Now, with everybody in a 401k plan, for example, what have they chosen as their tax payment strategy, seed or harvest? The harvest. the harvest, but now they've promised, you know, and, and, and I'd like to, I, they promised us a lower tax rate because we should be in a lower tax bracket. Oh, you fell into my trap. I know because we're not <laughs> earning as much money now, then as we will now, but then my thoughts on it is if I'm going to be in the lowest tax bracket, I'm going to be impoverished when I'm retired. Well, let me go back to your statement and i think this is something that people carry with them and it's again why i sort of feel like i need to be the contrarian why in god's name would you plan to be in a lower tax bracket why That's would your I'm, entire yeah. existence be like oh my strategy is going to have so little money my, my strategy is to have so little money that i'm in a low tax bracket oh look how i i i put it to the irs i'm poor taxes are the problem <sighs> of the rich, mm -hmm. okay? So what I'm getting at is, first of all, this I'm just gonna be very contrarian here. I gave you a warning, so here it comes. Don't plan to be poor. Don't plan to be in a low tax bracket. That's not a good strategy to start with. But what if, what if I could shift some or a majority of my current accumulation plan assets into a plan that the taxes were paid now on the contribution dollar, but then you are completely 100% tax-free on the distribution dollar. So let's and that look means at somebody all of your money that you plan, your million dollars in that account, you get to yours. use and spend and have that million dollars rather than having 600 of that million dollars. Exactly, exactly. And so 
if I can know that, so let's just say right now somebody had, uh, let's say they had $500,000 in their 401k right now, okay. or 250, it doesn't really matter. You have zero tax diversification. 100% of your money will be fully subject to tax at whatever rate it is then, and it probably will be higher. And if you play your cards right, you'll have a lot of money and it will be subject to one of the higher tax brackets. If I had the same amount of money say I had 500,000 here and 500,000 here. If I had the same amount of money in a program that I could take the money out 100% tax-free and I had to reach a certain income target, right? So let's just say I was going to take $50,000 a year off that million just to do the math. I could take 25 from one side, 25 from the other, but only half of that subject to tax. So my $25,000 is subject to tax. I'm now in a lower tax bracket like you said you wanted. But now I'm going to give you the other $25,000 tax-free, and now you're living the $50,000 lifestyle, not the $25,000 lifestyle that you needed to do just to save money on taxes. Right. Because here's the math. If I needed 100 bucks, okay, for every $100 I need, so in your mind, put $100 kind of in the center of a list that's stacked vertically. I've got two choices if I have 100% taxation on my retirement assets. I can take out a hundred to try and preserve some of my money, but then it gets taxed and now I'm living a $70 lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Or I could take out $130. So I can have my hundred. Add a hundred, but now I'm depleting my money a third faster. And for those of you who are mathematicians, I realize my math is slightly flawed. It's just an example. It doesn't work exactly like that, but fundamentally that's the issue. I either mm -hmm. deplete my money too fast or I live a substandard to my standards lifestyle. Neither right. one of those is appealing to anybody. Nope. So, the, And the only solution, the only solution is to take uh, as much of your money out of the fully taxable position and try and get to a lower tax bracket, but maintaining the same income. And the only way to do that is to use tax-free strategies for retirement accumulation. So, so let's... Um... Thank you so much for the education on, on what happens in retirement and the fact that it's so hard to live in the controlled spending environment and pay the least amount of taxes. But let's talk about what kind of options that business owners have that the regular people don't have and why we should be focusing on that. Now, we also sure. know that one of the biggest assets we have is the business itself, and that can be handled um, in manners to be tax effective as well. It takes a little bit right. of planning. You know, you got to do these things. You can't go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done next year. So let's start planning often too right. late. You need a few, three, five years runway to be able to plan these kind of exits so that you're not hit because all the asset that you have as a business owner is in that same taxable cycle. So exactly. if you get a million dollars for your business, you're going to net yourself out, you know, 60 or right. 600, 700,000. But if you plan properly, you can you can do things. But there's other plans that you can have for your cash and investments as well. Yeah, I think you're very right. I mean, there, there are <laughs> strategies depending on how you want to transfer or how you want to exit the business that will <clears throat> significantly reduce your uh, taxation. I'm working with a client right now that um, uh, the business is going to sell for a very significant sum of money, let's say $50 million, uh, because of one move, one legal move uh, of, of where we're holding the shares of that corporation, 
uh, we're going to say $5 million in taxes at the transaction. Awesome. But if you don't know how to do that, you're just going to pay needlessly uh, on the tax rate. But to your point, if you don't have, this was a trust, if you don't have the particular type of trust in place in advance of the sale, and mm -hmm. you don't move the assets into the trust, the tax person's going to be looking for their money. On the tools side, um, you know, it's interesting when you have a business and you have the control of how you run the business, I just want to talk about funding for one second, and then we'll talk about specific tools and also how to prevent losses, I think would be also, especially for any of our older uh, listeners who are closer to retirement, and especially if they're, you know, 10 years from retirement, this is essential to not take these giant 30% drops where you just don't, you run out of time before right. you can make money back. Um, if you have a, the type of business, so for example, I like to work with a lot of what I call the trades, uh, heating, ventilation, air conditioning, plumber, electrical, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, if, if you, you know your math and you say, you know what, when I, when I, when I get a van and I equip that van with tools and I put a te trained technician in there and I throw some marketing money at it to generate new customer leads, I know that over the course of 12 months, net, net, net of everything, that technician adding a van with a guy in it and a bull belt is going to net me $50,000. And I'm making that mm -hmm. up. But let's just say that. No, no, no. But sure. The way I want to, th the way I encourage those clients to think is if we need to have an extra 100000 or $200,000 go into your retirement plan, especially if we're starting behind the eight ball, especially if we haven't saved enough, especially if we're closer to retirement than to college, mm -hmm. then you have a certain number of your technicians who are just paying the freight and paying your bills and paying your income and covering all the expenses. But Joe, Steve, Bob, Larry, and Sally, my new four technicians, they're my retirement plan funding technicians. Their Love sole it. existence in the world <laughs> is to stuff money into my plan. I'm not trying to pass any more profit. My accountant's freaking out, but I know their money is going right into accelerating my retirement. Mm -hmm. the, the tools to use in my opinion, for a lot of people, number one, what's the ideal plan, right? Little to no contribution limits, right? Get out of this, like, oh, here's yeah. here's your eyedropper of what you're allowed to put in. <laughs> um, probably going to be an after-tax contribution, but structured to have the capacity to generate a tax-free distribution. Mm. Yep. Again, paying paying taxes and on the corn seed. you're you're seeding with instead of the corn you're 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 going to reap at the end. Right. Exactly. Um, third component would be that I have the ability to earn uh, uh, rates of return that that grow the account faster than the rate of inflation, but mm -hmm. don't subject it to giant losses. And I, I apologize for anybody who's li li listening and not watching because I'm going to use some hand gestures. I'll try to use words to describe it. If you were <laughs> if you were a typical investor, you, you're on a roller coaster, right? Up, down, up, down, up, down. And what people may not know is that the rates of return necessary to recover from a negative uh, movement, a loss, <coughs> are significantly higher than the losses themselves. So yeah. it takes higher percentages and often more time to recover. And we don't have unlimited time. So for a lot of, for a lot of people, <coughs> excuse me, they'd like to get off the roller coaster, but they still need to get returns that are market-like. And there mm -hmm. are tools that, that are built now that allow you to say you start out with a certain sum and it goes up. And now the market, let's just say, now drops. In a traditional investment, you, you'd ride it down with it. You'd be in the you bottom of the roller coaster. Mm -hmm. 
in these other tools, and by the way, I'm being specific. I, I as a practice, I don't mention specific product names or strategies because sure. I, I feel like there's so many different variations. But just know that there are tools that allow you to, when you get to that kind of high watermark, kind of the top of the roller coaster, if the market drops, you stay flat. So you don't lose anything. And then that's your new high watermark. Whatever you've earned, you keep. Mm-hmm. The next time the market goes up, then you move up with it. And the next time it goes down, you stay at that high watermark. So think about a staircase. There's a mm-hmm. vertical, right? The riser. You get to grab a whole lot of the participation in market movement, but you get to stay out of the risk of that market movement when it goes down. So that's the flat of the, the tread, if you will, of the, mm-hmm. of the stairs. And then you that stair, now that may run a year. Maybe that runs two years. You'd much rather stay flat than be down and waste time trying to go back up. So you we call that zero is your hero. If you stay flat, it's better than being negative 22, right? Love it, love it. And, and you can ride this staircase, this only going up escalator this um, for as long as you need to. So I think the idea is for most people, when we say, well, what's your risk tolerance? Well, people say, well, I'm an aggressive investor. I don't buy that. I don't believe that. This is me being contrarian again. I think people have an unlimited tolerance for up and a very low tolerance for down. And, and, and I think that's just really, you know, that's human nature. So what we're trying to do is say, look, can we participate? And I'll, I'll give you a specific example. There are tools that allow you to participate in a market-linked index. So most people have heard of like the Dow or the S&P 500. So what, what, what you're allowed to do is participate in the movement of the index but you're just going to be credited a percentage of it. So let's say the index right. goes up 12, you might be limited to 10. And they'll credit your account with 10% interest, and then you own that money. It can never be taken away from you. Mm-hmm. And it either happens again that it goes up or it goes down and you stay flat. And you're like, well, your friends are crying. <laughs> and I guess things are down. You just stayed level. You held on to what you already had. You kept it dry until the next time there was movement up and you grab that and you keep grabbing those ups and you just stay flat on the on the times when the markets are down. That's a great tool for and 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 just as a disclosure for everybody listening, nobody should be a hundred percent in one thing. So this is mm-hmm. a great tool for some of your money. So I love yes. the idea of grabbing the upshare, keeping it level, and and not losing anything down. But let's um, you know, we've got a little bit of time left here. If we can focus a little bit on some of the um, account type. You, you've talked a lot about investment type and taxes and so on. I'd like to talk a little bit about account type situations that businesses can put in play that that they can participate in, still sprinkle some stuff on their employees, right? But mm-hmm. you know, maybe even use these kind of tools to hold on to an important person in, in the company as well. Right. Yeah, I mean, we we you know, oftentimes we refer to our key employees, the people that are so essential uh, to the success of our business, that have been loyal, that you don't want to lose them. You have a lot invested in them. Um, I, you know, you and I both encourage those business owners to say, look, don't just you know, you let's say they want to use something that I'm talking about today. Don't just do that for yourself. You might want to include them, and what what it creates is both a reward system. Uh, uh, a system to encourage better performance and uh, a, a golden handcuffs. To, I was just going to say the term. golden handcuff, right? right? And so to, to keep the employee, that important person in your company working strong because you're, 
you're giving them additional benefits that maybe all the the rank and staff don't have because they're truly important to your business. And what's really interesting is there's a lot of different ways to structure these uh, where the business is getting some benefits, the employee is getting some benefits. Let's use a specific example. Uh, I might have an employee that's so valuable. Let's say it's like my CFO or my my chief salesperson that's the big rainmaker in the business. Right. Uh, or my operations person that makes the factory run and without them, everything just stops. Um, I can actually uh, obtain for them a plan that allows the employer to have in place um, a tool that would, if the employee was lost to the business, a significant amount of money would be available to the employer to weather that gap, to weather that um a loss of the employee to hire, to recruit, and and to deal with any losses. Like if you lost your key salesperson, you might have a drop in revenue. But it right. also allows me to set aside money for that employee for ultimately their retirement. And mm-hmm. depending on how I structure it, if that employee were to pass away, money would actually go to both the employee's family and the business so that the family's okay and the business is going to be okay. But if that doesn't happen, the employee can actually tap into a vast amount of money for retirement but they only get to keep it if they stay. That's the golden handcuffs part. I like so, it. I like it. And, th- and this is something that's essentially very difficult for the employee to do on their own, and certainly this way. And it creates a real bond between the employee and the employer. And the employer can contribute additional money based on performance metrics that the employer sets out. So it's like, hey, we'll we'll give you this baseline amount. But if we hit target A, target B, target C. We'll give you base plus one, base plus two, base plus three. Now that person's working to really fund this super plan that goes beyond any individual plans that, like you said, the rank and file might have. So the law may say, hey, you have to cover everybody in the 401k. For these kinds of things, you only have to cover the people you want to cover. And 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 that could be you and your partner. And you could really chunk in a significant amount of money above and beyond the business and the business can actually be paying it out of their profits. So again, you're going to pay taxes on it, but you're paying taxes on those little kernels versus the, the tax on the big, the big windfall that comes later on. So I love the ideas that, that you're sharing with us today that helps a business owner plan for employees, plan for taxes, plan for how they're going to fund retirement for themselves as well as for those key people um, going forward in the business. Because again, your business is the the corporate umbrella that you left when you got into the business, but yet you still have to think about preparing for retirement for yourself because now we're living, as you mentioned, you know, 30 some odd years into retirement. That's an extended period of time that you have to pay into. And one more little thing that, um, that, that often gets overlooked. Um, and it has to do with that, you know, pennies of social security that we get, you know, the $2,600, $2,700 if you're fully built into it. Many times business owners in the early stage of their business, they weren't paying themselves. So yet there weren't necessarily social security benefits being paid into, and you might have a lull in your social security benefit. Earnings, yeah. Um, yeah. Can I give a little so, caution to that? Can you just a yeah, little caution? 
please. This is again kind of the the contrarian to the conventional wisdom, and and no disrespect to my CPA friends, but a lot of CPAs in in the in their drive to save money on self employment taxes for a lot of you know entrepreneurs will have the uh, the person take a lower salary and then distributions, which screws everything which, up, which messes up. Social Security actually messes up what you can qualify for disability. It can mess up what you can qualify for for retirement planning. So we got to be making sure we're doing integrated solutions. We don't want to just like, for example, yeah. have the tax tail wagging the dog, because if you do that, <laughs> you might you might end up making mistakes in other areas. So I really encourage an integrated solution that takes into account the the business and the business's capabilities and the owner and the owner's capabilities and looking at it from all the angles, from risk management and to retirement, maximizing the opportunities. They, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I had I had a very similar case with one of my uh, exponentially growing clients. She is growing so fast, and her tax people said, "Oh, well, we're only paying you the minimum that the S corp requires." Right. They weren't even doing that the first year, um, and I'm like, "But that means you can't take all these profits and put it in the retirement plan that you wanted to do." So she was hurting herself because, like you mentioned, the tax tail was wagging the dog. So yes. I love that you said that there are multiple angles that need to be reviewed, looking at what are the best opportunities. Yes, you're going to have to pay some tax, but how do we maximize and leverage the tools that are so readily available to business owners today, which is why we're business owners, to right. take advantage of the tools so that you can maximize the benefit of keeping employees, paying well, paying the least amount of tax for the for the situation that's coming in, but also funding retirement and planning for that business to be part of it. It's it, I mean, and there's I'll, a I'll lot of balls in here. Kind of blow your mind, and and I think I think a lot of the people listening. If you haven't seen this statistic, it's very true. But when they survey employees, their number one distraction is their finances, their money. And what a lot of employers do, again, kind of they do the traditional, oh, this is what everybody's supposed to do. And then they stop is, oh, I'll give them a 401k plan with no advice, no guidance. And yet the employee has money problems in all kinds of other areas. They're too much in debt. They're spending too much money. They're not saving. They don't have an emergency fund. They don't know what how to handle their insurance properly. So they buy the wrong stuff the wrong way spend too much or they're underinsured, whole host of problems. How do I educate my kid while saving for retirement? Should I buy a house? Should I lease a car? They have all these questions. What, what we've been working on, and I, I'm very excited about it, is um, to be able to provide financial planning to employees as a turnkey service that looks like an employee benefit uh, to the employer so that, so that their employees can get financial advice and guidance, custom tailored to them, that the employer can offer as an employee benefit and has huge high perceived value to the employee and, and lots of brownie points for the employer. But the employer is keeping their employees out of the problems, out of the hot water, out of the mistakes, and out of the stress that distracts them from doing their job well. And mm. now if they've got all that squared away, now we've got a much better attract and retain uh, mechanism because as most employers are struggling with getting the right people and keeping the right people, you can offer something that's really, uh, really unique. And it actually helps the employee make progress, right? Because a lot of them feel bad that, oh, I don't have enough or I haven't done enough. And, and let's just make help, help them make progress across the broad spectrum of things that they should and want to make progress in. They'll feel good about themselves. They'll feel good about the employer. 
they'll want to stick around. They won't be distracted. Um, so that's on the employee side. And for any any of the folks who are listening who are maybe a little bit older, maybe feeling like they have less time, I think this is where you'd partner with somebody like Marcia, somebody like myself, to take advantage of some things that are only available, actually, to older clients. Some of the estate planning strategies that you should start be looking at now about exiting or transitioning the business to the next generation. There are things called like age-weighted profit sharing plans that really are awesome for the older uh, the older business owner. So don't feel that if you have a little less time that there aren't strategies to maximize what you've built uh, and make sure you capture the maximum wealth of your business as an asset, as Marcia has been saying, uh, and, and make sure you're making the right moves now because as you kind of enter this point where you may be wanting to back off or maybe wanting to exit, some moves you make now can can really be hugely impactful uh, to, to your current life and your, your future and actually the next generation because I know you and I both believe in, in intergenerational wealth transfer and asset transfer and things like that. So, Absolutely. Uh, Barry, this has been fantastic. Everybody. You've given us tons of ideas and tons of um, education along the way, which is really important because you know we all need it. And, and the only place that you can get that is from somebody who's really well versed in this area. And that doesn't, that's not your lane, business owner. So lean on the professionals like Barry. So Barry, where can listeners find out more about you? Sure. Uh, I'm going to give you the name of uh, our, our website and it'll kind of tell you our philosophy. You all summed it up in one place. It's wealthdefensegroup.com, wealthdefensegroup.com. And if you actually look at the image on the homepage, there's a castle there because I think we need to put a moat around our money. We need to defend what we've got. We need to keep what we've got. We need to help people avoid financial loss and then achieve financial success. So put a moat around your money and then go out and conquer the world with your with your roaming hordes of uh, <laughs> of business activities. So wealthdefensegroup.com. And if you're a business owner uh, and would like to kind of dig into this area a little further on that same wealth wealthdefensegroup.com forward slash Bob's, like the guy's name with an S at the end, B-O-B-S, Bob's. business owner blind spots, a little survey you can take. It'll get you thinking about uh, exit planning uh, issues and succession issues and business valuation issues. Uh, a lot of the things that Marcia probably works with you on, but I think you might find it really interesting. Absolutely. You know, um, I work, I partner with people like, well, like Barry to help complete the picture for it. So this is, this is a perfect place to get started on and, and do it. So thanks Barry. We appreciate that. All right, listeners, I hope you found an idea or two that you can put into your business that'll help you be more profitable and a plan for retirement. Don't forget, it's now, uh, it's even more important to focus on growing your business. So don't forget to register for my new masterclass. And that specific training is designed to help you learn how to grow your business five or even 10 times the revenue and the value of your firm. So you're in a great position to sell it someday in the future. Some of the benefits are more profit, more free time, and an easier to run business. Register for free at www.10xyourfirm.com. You don't want to miss this class. And as always, we would love to hear your questions, feedback, give us some comments. Tell us some, tell us one of the, the ideas that you're implementing from this podcast into your business. Um, share that in the comments and Barry and I will, will reply back. And then don't forget to subscribe. You don't want to miss any future shows. 
And as always, you can catch Profit with a Plan on any of your favorite podcast players. We're looking forward to more great profitable information on next week's show. So until then, make your plans and profit with them. Thanks so much, Barry, for coming back. Thanks, Marcia. Good to be here.